You're listening to Terrific Con presents the Power Cosmic Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to everything you love. That's comic books, TV, movies, collectibles, and more. Brought to you by Mitchell A.S. Halleck, the producer of Terrific Con, the world's greatest comic con every summer at the Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, Connecticut. Join Mitch and his special guest, Jerry Ordway, and his pals all across the comic fandom as they talk about the things you love. Now, sit back, get ready, and listen to today's episode of the Power Cosmic Podcast. Here we are, first of the year. No, not first of the year, fourth of the year, 2021, already starting off on a mission. And we're, Jerry and I are in our hermetically sealed uh, bubbles. bubbles on a Funkin' Wagnall's porch. <laughs> no one's going to get that. We're in a mayonnaise jar on Funkin' Wagnall's porch. And only the listeners and their divine uh, something could perceive. Wisdom. Wisdom can perceive what the show is. So we don't have to do anything. You already know what's going to happen. So that's it. Take it easy. Smoke them if you got them. But, how was your holiday, Jer? Did you have a, a nice, quiet, you know, yeah. as opposed to your soirees and that right, rival right. the Playboy Mansion for their right, audacity? Right. The, uh, yeah. the big parties on the on the South Lawn in the or, the or, the Ordway Grotto. It's famous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those, those big parties. We've, we've been here. I mean, seriously, been here since two thousand, and we've never had a party here. So, well, you know, they still I talk. Think we about had one. I mean, we had one party in the old house, with yeah. which was a big, you know, I mean, maybe 40 people or something when we were in Fairfield. But yeah. How far away were you from, oh, no, you were about a mile or so away from Burns' house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah that, was a, that was a highlight of the of the 80s and, you know, up until, like, 91 for me. Going it was to a parties? highlight of having, he had the summer party, and he'd set up a big, uh, I mean, they would set up, like, a volleyball net. And and it, it was it, like everybody in comics. His backyard, the one on the post road. Yeah, it didn't seem like that big a yard. Yeah, it was pretty big. He's the the house. They didn't have those hedges before. Oh, you know, okay. That line of hedges that follow the driveway, but yeah, that side yeah. yard is pretty big. And they and it goes back pretty far too. I just don't. I'm, I know the neighborhood. I just don't picture people having nowadays. Not well, not now. Yeah. But uh, even before... Well, you drove by there, you know, the, I mean, yeah. you could see the house is set pretty far back from the road. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> is, and, that, uh, is that where they had the infamous burning of uh, Jim Shooter and Effigy on that lawn? Yes. You were there? On the side, yeah, I was on the side driveway. No, I wasn't there because I just moved to Connecticut and I was under extreme deadline pressure, so I had to miss it, but I did watch the videotape. They videotaped <laughs> it? Yeah. Oh, that was crazy. Well, what? John used to videotape at the parties too and uh he was a big one with his camcorder which was always fun i mean there there there, i don't know if it still exists i think i have like a bad um betamax tape of he videotaped when when i'm when peggy and i moved to fairfield to our first house right he videotaped because he didn't want to have to move any boxes so he 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 announced when he (laughs) came over it's like i'm not going to help move but i'll record it for posterity Okay, and where, are the, funny. where are those tapes now? Yeah, well, I have, like I said, I, ha- I have one copy that was transferred. To no, I'm Max, just wondering but... if he's sitting there, like, in some giant vault, like Citizen Kane, and, like, put yeah. on the Ordway October 12th tape. 
<laughs> he just watches it, you know. No, it's more like the conversation, like, you know, the spy yeah. thing where he's got the wall full of VCRs and different kinds of uh, formats. Was it all the young was it all the young bucks, all the young talent that was at those parties or was there any older regime? It was mostly, I mean, I think the what I remember the, the, here, this was really funny to me, and it's it's kind of cool in a way. I just remember it was like it, it enhanced her reputation. But the year, the first year I was there was '87, mm-hmm. I think, the summer party, and Jeanette Kahn showed up in a New York cab. She took <laughs> a cab like, from New York. To... Yeah, <laughs> we were all like looking, going, "That's a New York cab," because we didn't have yeah. this kind of bounce boxy you know they had that standard kind of boxy cab that yeah was, yeah uh, right right the checker for cab. years yeah yeah the checker cab and the cab pulls up the driveway and Jeanette comes out and he basically I think she'd missed her train or something so oh, she just okay. asked the cab driver how much it would cost and he drove her to Fairfield I was gonna say that's at least 60 miles yeah it was a, I think it was a hundred dollar trip probably oh yeah back in the day back yeah. Then, yeah yeah it was pricey but uh but yeah, it was like mostly Marvel, mostly Marvel people. But since he was working at DC, the DC people that he knew were invited. Um, but it was you know like Mike Sack and Bob Smith and uh, Ralph Macchio, Macchio. Um, yeah, Macchio. Not the Karate uh, Kid, Ralph Macchio. Let's be clear. Yeah, about no, that. I think he called it. Well, it was, he was Macchio. Macchio. Yeah. But anyways, <clears throat> Grunwald, uh, Walton Weezy, Simonson. Um, you know, just a big. It was a big crew. You know, you know what? And I, everybody I, would bring food, like you'd bring a dish or you'd bring yeah. beer or whatever. So it was kind of like you, you stock the party in a way. And they still had food and stuff. And they had the big kitchen and the food set out in the you know enclosed porch or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, was I was, I, I was going to ask you, because I'm, I, just as you mentioned that, I look right behind me as I'm recording this down here in the basement. And there's my giant metal Captain America shield that I got from Paul Kupperberg. <laughs> That Byrne bought him as a gift yeah. to his son uh, Max when he was born, but they, you know, they didn't want it anymore, so I took it off their hands. I know it's John Burns because his address is on here. But the thing of it is, <laughs> he bought this, and I know Mark Grunwald, who you just mentioned, he had one of these shields that his wife donated to the Stephen Colbert show. Oh, really? So if you ever see yeah, Stephen Colbert, yeah, way up in the top of his set, he has a big Captain America shield that used to be. The one that was on Mark Grunewald's wall. Oh, that's cool. From the I think this the eighties and and maybe till he died or something like that. Yeah. So, well, just, they had a. I mean, they. I know that Marvel had uh, official actors who would make appearances yeah. in costume. Yeah. So I know they had the the what? one guy who was Spider Man was he was a nice guy. I no, and, and then the guy from Star Trek was actually uh, Captain America for a while. Um, what's his name with the beard? Jonathan Frakes. Oh. Freak. Oh yeah, that's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, yeah no, they had they had the official, you know, I guess the, through an agency or something. But they used them on the covers too. Yeah, There's no, I know. I, covers I, I saw that. that. Time. Yeah, just the other day I was at uh, Cave Comics. They were having their annual fifty percent off sale, and I saw that. Uh, I think it's Marvel Team Up. Maybe is Captain America and Spider Man on the cover? Yeah. Well, they did. A, they did a She Hulk. I mean, a, um, a Spider Woman one too. Oh, a real photo, photo cover. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I didn't remember. Yeah, no, it's kind of neat that they were they were in that in that era around the late '80s, maybe. Oh, you just got me thinking stuff. about Grunewald. Do you ever work with him? Um, I knew him. I don't think I ever. I, I almost did because I almost did the uh, Squadron Supreme miniseries. Oh, really? Yeah, I was originally going to ink burn on that, and we we did an ad 
there was a it was right before I left when I was still work, finishing up my Infinity Ink stuff. Yeah. Um, I was looking to make a change and burn. I you know I had gotten to I was corresponding with with Burn. Yeah. For a couple of years, I guess, and then John said, "Hey, you want to ink this uh, Squadron Supreme thing?" And then Grunwald, you know, had called and asked me, and I said, "Sure." And so we did a teaser ad, which was meant to look like the Justice League in silhouette. Uh-huh. And the ad was like, you know, Marvel's got them and they're going to do them right or something. Something oh, yeah. that, you know, Marvel always had that kind of yeah, yeah. attitude. Like DC just didn't know what they were doing or whatever. But uh, yeah, so we did the ad. And then I wound up doing Fantastic Four instead because I guess John had had bailed on it. Yeah. And, um, and had poached me for the Fantastic Four. So I didn't even know, I thought the project wasn't going to happen and, until Grinwald had then called me up and went, and he was he was like, oh, I, I thought maybe you'd be, since, you know, John had dropped out, I was going to ask you to, to pencil it. And uh, and I was like, oops, sorry. <laughs> you know, no, John no, just got to me first. I, I, d- I just picked up that omnibus. It was actually yeah. relatively cheap. It was like $35, and it's got... That whole Mark Runewald Squadron Supreme miniseries in it. It's got yeah. all the early appearances in the Avengers by Roy Thomas, and it's I, I haven't finished. It's it's really good so far. That's why I was like, really, that would have been interesting. Yeah, yeah it was I mean, I think the fact that it was a twelve issue thing yeah. was also more of a commitment than. I mean, I would have done it because I'd agreed to it, but I was kind of glad not to have done it. Because yeah, yeah. It, I wasn't sure if uh, I knew at some point. I think that. I mean, I was on hold, kind of, because I knew that DC had asked me early on about doing a Superman book or a Batman book right. when they relaunched after, after Crisis. So those plans kind of kind of got delayed or whatever. So, oh well, so um, but they had them in mind. That was the original plan when they started Crisis. Was that when issue twelve comes out and that the worlds are all you know right. compressed or whatever that the next month all the first issue number one issues would would come out of all the books the whole line would be, be rebooted but they just weren't you know they didn't have it, it have it in place by that time so no that that reminds me the other day i was talking to you about that the new what's i don't even know what the new dc soft relaunch is it called oh, Countdown? right right or, no futures end or well something. yeah something like that yeah it's going to be basically for the next two months in february and march what the heroes would be like with different aliases, right. I guess, or in the future, and and then it but goes then back. It reboots after, doesn't it? The, yeah, and I was like telling you, again, I said, dude, I've lost contract, uh, con, uh, yeah, contract, yeah. but uh, count on yeah. how many reboots this is. It's almost becoming a joke on itself now. It's like, oh well, it's time to reboot. It's been two years now. Yeah. So. Well, I think the. I was looking at the today's newspaper. The Times had a full page of Wonder Woman trivia. Oh yeah, and uh, it was it was talking about the different high points over the many years, mm-hmm. and it it ends with the reboot in 2012. Um, but then I was thinking like they kind of keep doing like the origin kind of changes a little bit each time. Oh, for um, Wonder Woman? Yeah, I just yeah. we just recorded uh, that show I do, The Mitch and Ed's Excellent Adventure. Mm-hmm. We did the history of Wonder Woman, so I had to do my research. And yeah, it did change. It was from the original Marston thing about she's made of clay, and right. then uh, George Perez... Well, no, she loses all her powers in the 60s yeah. because she has to renounce her godhood or whatever to go live amongst men. And then she's basically just a karate-kicking Diana right. Rigg I like character. that period, though. I mean, those yeah. were, there were some nice books in that. In and that then book. she gets her powers back. I don't remember how she suddenly comes back in the 70s. 
Yeah. Baxter was. Well, that was. They said that, uh, according to this thing, it lasted four years. It's from 68 to Six, like 72 or something. Yeah, yeah. And then, that was kind of, t- I think it, some of it coincided with Jeanette Kahn. Well, I know 72, uh, she's on the cover of Ms. Magazine's yeah, first issue, yeah. so they're probably like, hey, let's put that back the way it was. And well, then, I think Gloria Steinem was also, because Jeanette yeah. knew Gloria Steinem, and that was like, you know, Wonder Woman's beginning kind of as a... Oh, I didn't know they knew each fem- other. ...feminist uh, icon. Oh, and then uh, George Perez does the... Uh, that was after Crisis. He does his version yeah. of it. And, yeah, but, he did it after the Superman, after the Man of Steel relaunch stuff, so his was... Maybe a year later or something. Yeah, but his is more like... 87. Yeah, his is more Greek mythology and stuff, though. Yeah. So it's not like... And then it gets done again by Brian Azzarello. Yeah. And now she's... Well, I think they did... Didn't they do a reboot when... um, In the early 2000s when uh, Greg Rucka was on... Was writing... Was it Rucka that did it? I thought it was Azzarello. (laughs) One of them where she's not made a play. They did a reboot of some sort after I did the thing with... Simonson, we yeah. did the like eight issue storyline with Wonder Woman, and then I was kind of bridging the gap between Phil Jimenez, you know, run on the book, and then uh, Greg Rucka starting. Well, Rucka's the one that does this story then, where she has her mother. It was a Hippolyta Hippolyta or Hippolyta. Yeah, she has sex with Zeus, and that's how Wonder Woman's born. So she's like this demigod. She's actually born. She's not made of clay. There was some weird... Was it Rucker or Azarello does a story about how the Amazonian women or the Amazons would lure men like sailors from their boat, like sirens, <laughs> to impregnate them so yeah. they'd have offspring and then they'd kill the sailors, they'd throw them overboard. It's like, oh, that's kind of harsh. That's a how to do. So, no yeah, I don't know. I mean, I always liked... You know, I did... Honestly, I did like... Because it was so unique. I yeah. liked the idea of her being formed out of clay yeah. and given life. Because, again, it didn't mirror anybody else's origin, you know? It was like, wow, that's quite unique. You well, know? it's kind of like an Adam and Eve story, but yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it was the only one in comics like that. And then it could just write off the fact she's immortal or whatever, because right. she's not like everybody else. You could do all kind of things with her. But And then I read about Marston, William Marston, the guy who uh, created the character. Right. He, that guy, I mean, I know all about he has a living companion and he's married but they have this uh, other woman olive burn speaking of burn right. who lives with them and that's where he gets the idea for the bracelets because she wore a lot of bracelets and such like that but you know oh this guy he was you know into all this kinky stuff right. i think that's a lot of just salacious talk that people think so? on. i think there might have been some of it the in it is, but, but i don't but think the early i mean the, the comic if yeah. you look at the 40s stuff that yeah. comic is Every possible situation to get her into a bondage. But is, wasn't that a, a theme in a lot of those books, though? I mean, not just. It was Wonder a theme Woman. in Wonder Woman more than any other book. Okay. She was always it was there was a lot of bondage stuff, and it's it's kind of like a soft core thing. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. For people who are fetish, um, fetishists but for bondage, he didn't get... I think any 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 visual graphic of bondage is still probably to some degree satisfying. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, he didn't get fired off the book from that. I think they just was it. What was his name? Chester, the other guy. The, no, the the guy who you mean the guy who it was H. G. Peter. H. G. Peter. It? Yeah, 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 yeah. Was he? Was he, he basically he he designed the character? I mean, he's kind of like I'm glad that the new movie did give him a credit. He's the, the Bill Finger of Wonder Woman, basically. Yeah, 
I mean, except that he drew the thing, and he drew it for many, many years, you know? Oh, but he didn't come up with any storylines, or just... The well, he, no, but he he designed all this stuff, you know? I uh-huh. still think that's... It's like basically someone coming up with the concept is not a full creatorship, you know? But, but, I mean, unless he... You know, unless they, they designed it, too. It feels like that's, you know, that that's still a lot of heavy lifting on... No, uh, no, on but I was going to say, but Marson's not around too long. He dies in, like, 1947. Yeah. Uh, early age, I think he was maybe 50, not even. So. Yeah. But they had like a deal. I think there was a deal that existed with him, uh, same kind of with Bob Kane. Yeah. Those are those are people who basically learned from Siegel and Schuster's bad experience. You know, it's like, right. um, you, 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 you know, you don't, you don't sue the company because they're going to bury you. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Know? No, 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 no. He didn't do well, any other characters, them, did peanuts. he? I mean, he took, you know, I think he had like some kind of, the family had some kind of deal where they, the book had to be, uh, that was what I, I'd heard. And again, I don't, I'm not a, I don't think I've ever Well, you know what's funny? We could ask, paperwork. no, we could ask that Christy Marson who always comes to the show. She lives over here oh, yeah. in Bethel. And, well, because uh, one of the things that I'd heard years ago, yeah. not a lot, but in the, in the, in the 80s and 90s was that no matter, because there's Wonder Woman was one of those books that even if it sold really poorly, they kept it, they kept publishing it. And whereas other books, even The Flash at one point was canceled, you right. know, after Crisis. And then, uh, but I mean, they, they never canceled Wonder Woman. And I'd heard that there was some kind of agreement that DC had made that they had to keep keep it in, you know, keep it continuously in print or something. Oh, I'd never heard that one. Yeah, yeah. Because so I, I wondered there if that was, th- that's th- possible, that could have been the same type of contract that, or similar contract that Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons had with Watchmen that oh, okay. if the book fell out of print that they would get their rights back to See, I thought there was a brief period in the 70s where, or the early 80s where she didn't have a book. No, she kept, they kept it going. They kept there it was, going? Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was canceled or whatever. No, no, they always, but they, well, like when they relaunched it with the Perez thing, I yeah. think it still ran up until like the month before and then just boom, you know, oh. new number one or well, did Marson do any other characters that you know of? I don't know. I don't think so. No. Um, well, then... But he was, I mean, he was, you know, he did a lot of... Again, it's an amazing creation, and uh, that it endured so many years is still pretty... I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Because look at how many... There were female characters in the Marvel Universe in the Atlas days or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Not the in the timely days. And uh, they all kind of fell off, you know, they fell out of uh, um, people's consciousness. You know, there yeah. was the Patsy Walker and all that stuff. You're right. There was Miss America. There yeah, were Miss America. Like that right. in the early days. Well, you which know? is funny is Miss America turns into Patsy Walker. Patsy oh, Walker yeah. starts in that comic, and then she gets her own title. And they got rid of. Yeah, just, I mean, but um, but to have a, a continuously published, you know, there's very yeah. few male characters that that had that same. No, only Batman and Superman, really. Yeah. So there you go. So, um, but you know the the, the the interesting part about uh, like someone like Marston is that he came from he was already he already had made a name for himself in a yeah. way. So I think it it helps to come into comics with a situation like that because you can maybe dictate terms or you maybe have a lawyer to look at a deal or something. Yeah, he like wasn't that. just a kid from Ohio. He was, he was no, a doctor. no, it's not like yeah. a seventeen-year-old or eighteen-year-old kid no. coming up with a, something and then you know just. Sure, no, he was in, no, he was in his thirties and stuff. He was well aware of what's going on. Late thirties, yeah. whatever. Did you? You never wrote the character, did you? 
Um, Besides I that, did, Walt Simonson. No, I worked on it. I worked on Wonder Woman in All Star Squadron and, and also uh, Infinity Inc. The Earth Two, you know, the Golden Age Wonder Woman was in both those. But I never wrote it. I never wrote the character. Reminds but me. I brought it. I was going to say there's a brand new podcast. I was going to tell you all about the All Star Squadron. Really? Yeah, I just found out about it like two days ago. It's called The World on Fire. I haven't listened to it yet, but they mentioned you in the the promo. They said, I think I, I think they asked me about doing something. Oh, okay, maybe. yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, that's neither here nor there. When you said all star, it just triggered it in my head. Like, don't forget, tell Jerry that there's a podcast besides <laughs> this one that wants to talk to him. What? Yeah, it's, it's, it's sometimes you know you think about this like with podcasts. There's so many podcasts. Yeah. And at a certain point, you know, I'm agreeable to do these things. But I think about, like, wow, you know, this is all free entertainment. It <laughs> is free entertainment. I just lure you, you know? with pizza and beer. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're not at that place this week. But, yeah, yeah the, the mail hasn't arrived yet. <laughs> no, no, I've mailed you out a, an onion pizza with olives. It should be there any time now. Well, actually, the mail's so slow, by the time you get it, it'll probably be uh, April or something like that. So, I just got Christmas cards. That was, was funny. I think I got a couple of Christmas cards on... Uh, Whatever the last day of the year. Yeah. And then a couple more on, on Saturday. Well, I ordered something done. for Sharon. I still haven't got it. It's the, they were sending me tracking information. It disappeared in Ohio on the 22nd, and it just says now in transit. So I don't know what realm or dimension it's in, but it's not in this world. Well, it's in the state of transit. It's in, oh, yeah, Transit, Ohio, one of the greatest places next to Toledo, they say. <laughs> Speaking of Toledo, I got Tony Paco's uh, hot dog sauce. Tony Paco's the place that Klinger always talked about on Mass. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. funny. And it comes in this can, and you pull the top back, and basically it says to heat it up. It's it's chopped up beef. It's like what they put on a chili dog. Oh, And oh. it's fine when you heat it up, and you you put it on a hot dog and eat it. And my wife goes, what are you, eating, dog, dog food now? I'm like, no. <laughs> it's, it's, ground, <laughs> it's ground up beef with a layer of, like, fat on top in a can. <laughs> And she pull it back. She goes, "You're gonna heat that up, right?" I go, "Tastes good, right out of the can." And uh, I don't know. It does in front of the TV in your T-shirt, eating the cold. All I know is I I had to wrestle Harley to the ground with it. Bad dog, bad dog. What are you doing? Eat my food, chubby. Get away. You got your own. Leave my kibble to me. Uh, I still remember the the thought years and years ago when I had my dog is when you'd open up a can of dog food and then yeah. you'd poke the bottom of the can and you just like it would come out <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and then there's that weird it used to be like that weird gel <laughs> and you're like what is that and the dog's like I don't know about your dog but Harley will actually drool like if you have food in front of her she'll sit in front of you and you just see drool come out the side like oh I am when I get the pizza before Sarah brings it over to me and you just see my mouth go oh. Hey, Mitch, your, your, your beer glass was half empty, and now it's full again. What is that? <laughs> I don't know. You gave me some pizza, yeah. Um, uh, that's funny. Oh, I, I picked up your your famous Bibbo's Christmas over the uh, Christmas break. I was, like, looking for Christmas comics, and they had it <laughs> at Cave Comics, and I was thinking of that. The Nutcracker Suite. Yeah. Yeah. That was the one that was the, the one with Bibbo as Santa on Yeah, the on the cover. Yeah, I yeah. got that. Yeah. That was the one that the Comics Code... What? Uh, the only the only comic code comic I ever did that got a, a rejection. Why? Because it was it was titled the Nutcracker Suite, and on the splash page, 
they're both slipping on ice about yeah. to fall. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just, I, I will admit that they caught me. I was making a joke at that expense. That he was going to land and, on his but nuts? The, the guy who, whoever, whoever reviewed it for the comics code wrote in his review or notes that this is obviously an allusion to Bibbo or the character falling and cracking his nuts in parentheses. <laughs> so we had to change the title. That was all we did. So I think that was what I recall is that we changed it from a nutcracker suite to something else. You know how many juvenile delinquents you would have created with that? I hope you're happy with yourself, Hardway. <laughs> The comics code was was an interesting authority because they they weren't consistent. No. It depended on who read the books. Like there were there were multiple people who reviewed the books, uh-huh. and and depending on who you got, they would you know. Well, either, where where were they? I always think of this like the good housekeeping seal of approval. Who, who where, where did they where did they work in the building or was it just some? No, no. Group? I think they were you know they were run by um, the, one of the guys from Archie. Oh, really? Silver Clyde or whatever, the, the one of the executives of Archie was still one of the main... Isn't that know, a conflict of interest? Did all the Archie books get through without a problem? Well... Jughead's I mean, nutcrack is sweet, had no problem. <laughs> Archie's were pretty clean. But yeah, no, it was, it was weird. But they, I think they were just like, maybe they had to submit them. That's why the publishers in New York were the ones that in the Comics Code and the, the, the other offshoots that went into other... Yeah like California or whatever, they didn't have the ability to, to ship or drop off books. But I think DC probably had some delivery service taking the, you know, the books from the, uh, or the, the, the finished copies, <clears throat> you know, the photocopies with the yeah, lettering yeah. and stuff. Looking but, back uh, now, don't you think it was all rather silly? Yeah, but I mean, I, don't, I actually, here's the thing, with the comics code, the, the nice thing about having the comics code is... In a, you know, in an, uh, an industry that was, you know, was a children's industry. You yeah. know, what I mean, it was meant for kids yeah. and teens and stuff for the most part. And you could read them if you were older. Right. But generally, you know, the once they did did away with the code, you could never really give away a comic book at Halloween. You know what I mean? Oh because, yeah, because, because there was no guarantee yeah. that someone would go. Wait, wait a minute. You, you give know, a this guy yeah, here's, somebody's spine out. Uh, here's that's a, not appropriate. Here's a Sin City for you, Johnny. <laughs> oh right. wow, Mr. Frank Miller, I love his dear. Oh my God. Right. So I mean, that was a big thing, and and you know, I I, I used to get like a. I mean, you don't really think about it if you're a comic collector, or if right. you're, you're in the end reading comics, and you know, as a fan. But I used to give comics to my sister-in-law who mm-hmm. was a speech therapist at a, a grade school and I used to send her comps that I didn't want or that I didn't want to keep and then she would give them as incentives when she was teaching these kids so if they did you know hard work and they made some whatever they made some you know uh, you know yeah, yeah, achievement. Whatever, yeah, I she would that. give them as a reward and at a certain point this was even back in the maybe when, during the comics code in the mid-90s, I would send the books, and she said, I can't give these to these kids. Oh, wow. Because she just, she didn't want to sit down and read 100 comics. Right, right, right. But she read a couple of them, and she thought they were, like, way too violent for, like, wow. you know, the seven, eight-year-old kids. And, I, 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 you know, that's a different perspective. So, I mean, I, I appreciate the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, in, in certain situations that, 
having the comics code when it was in it, at its strength was probably a, a good way to no, you know what? Sure. That, that reminds me of something. Next time I see Starlin or Engelhart, i got to ask them, because I would read some of their Doctor Strange and their Captain Marvel and all the real trippy stuff from the six, the 70s, and you wonder how that floated past, because it had a seal of approval on the front, but yeah. if you really read it, like really get into what's going on behind the pages, there's some total stoner yeah. stuff happening. Well, they were very subversive, and that was I think that was how you got past it, because... The people who were doing the reading were generally older people. Right. So you could probably slip stuff through that they would have no specific reference to. You know? Yeah, yeah. My mistake was in choosing the Nutcracker Suite, which someone that age, you know, would clearly know, and somebody 30 years old wouldn't have known, you know. No, but I think you were better <laughs> off going with the Ball Buster uh, Bonanza. I think that one went well. <laughs> Yeah, I just change it to Bibbo breaks his balls. <laughs> Bibbo, Bibbo's ball, Bibbo's Buster ball. What? What does that mean? We don't know. No. It was, so Bibbo speaking of trip to the proctologist. Speaking of Wonder Woman, because I already went through this a bit with you. You saw it, and I saw it, Wonder Woman eighty four. Mm-hmm. You liked it, even though you did tell me you agree that there were some story problems, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was a mess. But I mean, here, here's it the was question, a mess. Though. Yeah, it was a mess. I mean, as a story, it really was all over the place. I, I gotta wait before you start. I gotta ask you: Do you because th- it's two and a half hours? Yeah. And I told you already that's already a half hour too long. I don't care how good it was, but anyway. Yeah. Do you think they added in a lot of deleted scenes and cutting room floor stuff that they would have thrown out if this was in a movie theater? But they figured we're going on HBO Max. Might as well throw everything in there. Yeah, I don't know because I don't think that the cut the cut changed. Yeah, I would say it didn't because you know there's it was gonna be it had to be ready to be released at each of those stages. Like when it was delayed from June or June whatever. to August, then August to right. I think October. I think the movie had to be kind of locked at that point because yeah. you know they're really just sitting there ready to go at a moment's notice. So there was, I think if there had been any fiddling or anything changed, it would have well, happened from the time that they delayed it from December to June. There's, words, there's one that's scene, when they could have added. There's one scene where there's a Christmas scene. Yeah. I thought that was just tacked on a week ago. I felt like, did they just go back and film this really fast? Because yeah, they, no, I think, they, they were in 4th of July, the, weren't they? Yeah. I don't know. Well, originally it was going to be a Christmas film, wasn't it? Originally, it was supposed to come out in 2019. That, that, right, but I people thought it was supposed to be Christmas 2019. Yeah, that movie was done June. a while yeah. ago. And then yeah. uh, they got... Well, I don't to... think they did anything to add stuff. I think it was locked at that point. Yeah. And I think they just gave... I mean, here's the thing. You do a successful first movie. Yeah. Then, you know, the director probably has more say because it also, they didn't lock her in it. And then after the first movie, that she wasn't locked in for sequels, so she probably had, like anyone would have, probably more power. Uh huh. Leverage. You know, yeah. like James Gunn probably had more control with Guardians of the Galaxy two as well because the first one was a big hit. Yeah. And you know, hey, we want you to do another one, so she no. probably got the ability to, you know, say I wanted to, I don't want to be stuck with the two hour thing if I have more story or whatever. I just honestly, I, I, I this. As far as the story goes, I just see so many different ideas. It's amazing to me that it's only Jeff Johns and uh, Patty Jenkins, and I think there's one other guy who right, touched the right. script. 
maybe cleaned up a lot of the stuff. It just seems like there was a lot of ideas in there, and some of them work, and some of them could have been downplayed or thrown out, and I think that's why it just comes across as kind of muddled. Yeah. Because the character... Everybody's character development's all... It's... It, it, it's frustrating because they're, yeah. they're good actors. I mean, Chris Pine's great. Gal Gadot's great. Yeah. Pa- Pedro Pascal. No, I have no problem with Kristen Wiig. They're all fine performances. Yeah. It just seems like there's too much of some and yeah. their motivations are weird. Like Maxwell Lord didn't seem like the Max Lord that I knew from the comic. He didn't seem yeah. very manipulative or conniving like in the comics. Like he's like Satan almost in the comics. Yeah. He's the devil. This one just seemed like a a loser guy who just happened to, it seemed like a Twilight Zone like he just stumbled across this except magic here's the thing though I remember reading the Justice League books and the when they first relaunched right. the, the, the McGuire and Giffen and Demadius yeah. and though Max Lord was manipulative but he wasn't an out and out bad guy no there. he was not no, so that's was, what I'm saying yeah. I think this this kind of harks back more to him being you know or at least like a used car salesman guy yeah yeah, yeah. um I didn't have, you know, here's the thing, here's one thing we, we should discuss before we even get into any specifics is, not everybody's got HBO Max, and I would bet that a lot more people will see it once it goes on to pay-per-view or whatever the, you know, on Well, it's only on HBO Max, I noticed, did you notice that the month you, of Ju- January. Yeah, till January 27th, yeah. and I go, then what happens to it? Then it goes to anybody who rents movies. So oh, in words, DVDs and such. Well, I don't think the DVD will come out right away, but I think it'll go to whatever, I mean, Fandango, whoever, all the different services that, you know, even your cable where you can rent a movie. Oh, the pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. So okay. it'll, it'll go to a pay platform. Okay. So that's that's why I'd be afraid that I wouldn't want to spoil it for anybody who's unable to well, see I just it think they don't have. If anyone's listened to a comic book podcast, they've probably already watched it. So. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's it's easy to, to, to I guess it's easy to... to a Monday morning quarterback on some of this stuff but yeah. I think that the movie had the right heart and one of the things I will say without even being specific we don't have to do any spoilers no. I already spoiled the, the hell out that, of it on my other show so don't go watch well, that one of the things that, that occurred to me watching while I was watching it was that it, it, it ultimately is a really it's a tribute to Superman the movie yeah. in many ways I mean the first one had a lot of touches and you could tell that, that, that you know Patty Jenkins I know Jeff Johns worked for, he was uh, a yeah, Richard Donner's assistant yeah. for many years. And so, But I mean, I think that that movie's DNA is in Wonder Woman 1984 in in the big, like in the, without giving away, the, the, there's a big moment in the movie yeah. and that felt very much like a Superman. Yeah, I know, I know what around, you're talking about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I can, I can buy it and uh, when I saw Superman the movie, I really liked the movie overall but I really hated him spinning the earth backwards and because yeah. it just felt like a cheat but then you know as you watch it over the years it's like kind of kind of it's a dare to be stupid moment you know yeah. it's it, it's kind of charming in its own way and it probably works better in the first movie than it would have been in the second one where they were going to use it so yeah in the, it was originally going to be in Superman 2 where he was going to undo like the I guess a nuclear bomb that was going to blow up the Paris yeah yeah, the Eiffel Tower, and yeah. Lois was supposed to die or something. So, I mean, it makes it... All right, no, I, I see those elements, but I also see a lot of the Richard Lester Superman 3 yeah. in there, too, with uh, Richard Pryor's character. I'm like, yeah. Oh, well, and that's like a, you know, that's, that's they've become kind of a thing to do the, uh, the 
humorous or the having a, a comedian do a character that you know is yeah. the out, outcast you know or whatever because they've done that in other oh yeah Jim Carrey is it. the Riddler yeah. and, uh, but I mean it's even even thinking about like it's almost there's that Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman yeah right, right. Batman the nerdy one with the whenever you see somebody say right. that if you see a nerdy person with glasses and frizzy hair run the other Jamie, way right Jamie Foxx Jamie Foxx is Electro yeah they're right. going to be the psycho so it's like, I think that's maybe like the misguided Hollywood attempt to connect with the nerd audience. Yeah. You know, but no nerd wants to have that <laughs> pushed in their face. Wait, what are you, you talking know? about, Jerry? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> As I push my glasses back right now, I'm right. going to tell you, buddy. Because I mean, the first Superman movie, it was Clark Kent, but it made sense. Yeah, yeah. In other yeah. words, he was—he did come off as the nerd, but it was like, oh, he's secretly Superman, so that's cool. Because hey, I'm a nerd, but I'm secretly Superman too. Right. And same thing with like Peter Parker and Spider-Man. <laughs> right. He's the nerd. You don't have to have right. another one. Yeah. Right. So, but if I, I could see why they do it, and I do think, you know, that the character. See, I don't know. I felt like watching Cheetah in there. I had the same reaction when we were watching Aquaman. It's like, I really don't, I guess I'm not enough of a reader that I feel like, like with Aquaman, that the Black, Black Manta, Manta character was anything formidable enough to be a villain. Yeah. You know, he just felt like too lightweight for that. And I know people who read the comics and really loved that, but I wasn't in that same. No. So I felt like, wow, this guy's pretty lightweight to challenge this guy. He the, reminded you know, me of... Kato in the Inspector Clouseau movies yeah, like you're yeah. all of a sudden this guy just shows up you're like this guy again it's like ah yeah, yeah. Well, you know. and again that's it's. I'm not saying that I'm right because I clearly haven't I don't have the same you know grasp of the lore because I haven't read a lot of Aquaman no, no. comics and I only know Cheetah honestly from the like Super Friends cartoon when I was a kid I'm like oh yeah the Cheetah yeah, yeah and I know because I, I was I was asking my daughter I said because she's probably read a few more Wonder Woman I remember reading a few in the in the seventies and eighties yeah. and stuff, and yeah. I just felt like Cheetah just never. I never quite got it. Like, no, wait, is she no. super powered? Does she have? How is she? How is I she thought if she was like you know Catwoman's cousin. You know, it's like yeah. she's in her cat outfit. What? But but see, I like the idea that they gave that they basically tried to do. A, I mean, that the, the, her function in the movie is as kind of like a a. a, a counterpart or a, a yeah, parable a of here's yeah. here's yeah here's what you wish for here's the the downside to that or whatever but well that's the yeah, other it's, thing it's too just that I, the, the, the whole thing it really is messy at the end that's what, what well, i wonder i wonder who the other writer whether he came in and did a rewrite after because they movies they do so many rewrites. oh i know but see that's what i was thinking too i'm like somebody had to read this at one point and say yeah, this doesn't make much sense at the end. I mean, everything's coming together. But somebody could have, here's the yeah. thing, somebody could have read the script by Patty Jenkins and Jeff Johns and said, oh, the studio wants this or this or that, oh, okay. and then they turned it into a mess. Because that happens with a lot of scripts, too. So the script can be really brilliant, but then someone comes on and it's like, oh, we need to beef up the role for so-and-so because yeah. now it's I, being played by... I definitely, I definitely see that in this movie. It's like, oh, we need yeah. a, a chase scene. Okay, we'll put a chase scene in. Yeah. Oh, we need yeah. a little romance between Chris Pine and uh, Gal Gadot. Okay, we got that. Right. Well, we need the supervillain. Yeah. Okay, we need the other sidekick, like the Bane character. And, right. Right. And it was like you could pick out every 
piece from another superhero movie. It was like a cookie cutter. It was like, oh, well, look, we've got all the elements. We should be fine. But sometimes you put too much sugar in, and it just ruins yeah. the whole thing. You know? Yeah, yeah. So. Or there's too many layers to that cake. Yeah, it was just one of those things. Cause, and I think everyone was so expecting a follow-up because the first movie was so enjoyable. People liked it a lot. Yeah. They thought yeah. it was going to be on that level. And I honestly think they went from seriousness to kind of slapsticky. Yeah corny 90s superhero or maybe yeah. 80s I don't know you gotta but be I careful see, I remember seeing that with you yeah and sitting through the whole movie and smiling and enjoying it and stuff and then turning to you and, and you were like what the hell was that that I was the worst movie I ever saw I, I was, was like, so mad I was just surprised so while I was watching this I kept thinking I kept looking at Rachel going yeah Mitch is hating this oh yeah I was <laughs> home no. well you know here's the thing I everyone's like oh you're a comic book fan my wife who we all know Sharon she does not watch comic book movies she does she tolerates <laughs> them but she's it was Christmas day and you know everything's done so, oh right. I'll, I'll watch a movie why not it's brand new it's a big movie right. so she sits down and she saw the first Wonder Woman and an hour into it when they they steal a, a, a jet that's about it right she goes I gotta go <laughs> she goes this is just dumb I go what do you mean dumb like she goes oh, God, I like Aquaman more than this movie I go that's because he does he has his shirt off for most of the movie well there's that no she goes it's just it doesn't make it it's not making any sense I go yeah. really and she goes yeah it's all over the place I'm like and she left and then I go okay and I look at the clock and I click the uh, how much time's left there right. was an hour and a half more and I'm like oh my god so, but in, in, and again in fairness Everybody likes different stuff. No, I know that, but... She's like a big fan of the... The Hallmark Hallmark stuff. Yeah, I know, but she was trying to get into it. And I'm like, see, when they make these movies like Wonder Woman, they did appeal to an audience that wasn't a superhero. Yeah. And they they got them. You know, they brought them in. And uh, Aquaman, too, my wife doesn't care about. She's like, is this Marvel or DC? I go, just get out. Just go. And uh, she's like... I don't know. She, 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 well, the best. She, here's a. I thought that this did, did make sense. One of the best or better um, what? comments about why they didn't like the second movie was that it didn't have that moment like the first one did when Wonder Woman goes over the trench. Oh, the No Man's Land battlefield. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that was a great comic book moment. Right. It was. It was. Uh, it, it really did kind of define the character that you know everybody else is holding back and she just goes over and. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I think it, that's true. It didn't really have I think a this, defining moment I, like that. I think they had that chase sequence, and they thought that might have been it. That it was yeah. like a very Indiana Jones type of thing, and I was like, yeah, yeah okay. And it was fun, but it, but some of the like the, some of that stunt stuff was really poorly choreographed. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But I mean, uh, like I was, I even they showed one of those scenes, um, I think a clip or something, and I went, okay, so she. She lassoes the missile yeah. to to get its momentum so that she can be dragged to the front yeah. of this convoy. Yeah. That's totally fine. I can buy into that. But then the missile like lands right on top of the, her and the kid. Yeah. And it's like, well, wait, how did that happen? Yeah. Well, that seems like that wasn't a good thing. Well, you know, the, like, it, she should have let the missile go. You know, I, I was actually then, I was actually complaining about the the, the dummy uh, they used to replace the kids. Oh, yeah. They, they look so cheesy. I was like, did anyone else notice those dummies look like, you know, two feet too big to right. be those kids? Whatever. It just went by. That went by fast. But it was very, it was very 
unclear. In other words, like, again, I buy it, the fact that she's using the missile yeah. and, and hitching a ride to get to the kids. Right. Because the trucks were the problem they were worried about. But instead, she brings the missile down on top of them and the kid. And it was yeah. like, well, that, that seemed kind of like not a heroic, no. you know. No. It wasn't a win. And speaking <laughs> of missiles, later on, I don't we're gonna ruin this thing, but the, later on, th- there's a thing where the guy goes, "Oh, I want more missiles than the other mm-hmm. country." Right, right. And I'm like, I don't think any rational leader would ever add. I mean, how about I don't want them to have any more? That right. would be my wish, but I didn't write right. that movie, so. Yeah. Well, the other one, the, and again, I mean, we're not I, I generally liked it. I yeah. didn't have a problem with it, um, but and they're fighting at the end. And it's the big communication center. Yep. And they're knocking wires and they're knocking stuff down all over the place. I'm thinking, none of these wires are connected to this network that they're trying, yeah. <laughs> that they're trying to bring down. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. They knocked down like 40% of the wires. And honestly, I think the biggest disservice to this whole movie, and I was looking forward to it because I'm a huge Patty Smythe fan. And I know you like Patty Smythe too from Scandal. Mm-hmm. I thought this movie would be peppered with all 80s. Yeah music and especially women based bands yeah. like Patti Smythe and uh, Pat Benatar and yeah. Hart and yeah. uh, Martha Davies and the Motels uh, yeah. I mean there was a lot of good music. No I thought that was that was surprising I think you and I talked about that. Yeah, I was really sa- surprised that they made the choice not yeah. to especially pepper the opening mall sequence when they were playing with the you know, with the 80s and stuff yeah, I mean, that you they could, wouldn't have plugged in some Soundtrack. You could have had a J- uh, Jeff uh, James Jeff Gunn James Gunn Guardians right. of the Galaxy. You could have had a hit soundtrack. Yeah. I mean, you really. And could I don't, have I don't understand fun. why. The only reason that, that that seemed like that would be the case would be for someone not wanting to pay music rights. Yeah, I can't imagine Warner Brothers. But it seems stupid because again, yeah. the, that, if you talk about and again, I you were young. Yes. But I remember I the eighties. That's when I was buying music. I was a teenager. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, I was in my twenties in yeah. the eighties. You know, and I remember that era so strongly as being defined not just by the goofy, you know, yeah. uh, fashion stuff, yeah. but by the music because yeah. there was all these great new bands. Oh, and MTV and was, it was in MTV its prime, and you had, yeah. you know, you had. <clears throat> so I mean, that that, that felt like that, that was got me too. How like there wasn't an M- how there wasn't an MTV reference, you know, yeah. or a flock. I mean, if you're gonna do an '80s trope. You just watch Stranger Things. They do it seamlessly. Right. They don't even try. And you know that set right. in the 80s just by the look, the set yeah. design, the way the characters Well, I mean, you could have had... I mean, here's the thing. You got Billy Idol. Billy Idol was, was right. pretty early on. But you had, you know, a lot of bands in, like, from 81, 80 to 83, 84 that you could have justified using. A lot of crazy stuff happened after, but... Oh, no. There, know, and the, there was so many one-hit wonders. Yeah. In the 80s. I'm sure well, it was you a could... lot of... The British... It was the second British invasion. Yeah were a lot of bands that came in there like uh, I mean I was even thinking like you I don't remember when their first songs hit but I was thinking of uh, the Eurythmics oh the Eurythmics absolutely yeah. I mean you could have that that would go perfectly with his fashion choices or with yeah. you know that type of thing or uh, clearly I don't remember when Sharp Dressed Man came out but that oh that was later. Easy Top Sharp Dressed Man was but that would have be been an interesting 80... one when he was trying on the different clothes or that's something. 84 but I think they did that in they might have done that one in uh Lois and Clark. No, you know how I know it's 84? Because that's when Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom came out and Ghostbusters and all those movies. And I, in the house, somewhere have like VHS tapes of like recording, uh, you know, document making of things like that. And you see me clicking the channels because back in the day, the VCR would 
record what you were watching, so you, right. I, I would go back and forth on the uh, the selector, and I'd watch MTV. So I would see ZZ Top and Sharp Dressed Man on MTV, and then I'd jump back to you know whatever documentary I was yeah. watching about. Yeah, you're right. I well, forgot about Thriller? ZZ Top. When huh? was Thriller? Thriller was '84 as well. You had all that stuff. That's what yeah, I'm that's telling what I'm you. Saying. It just felt like that. If, if you're going to try to define an era, it's not just about, oh, Ronald Reagan was president. No. There was, I mean, he, well, here's the other thing. You remember when Superman, which one was it? That was Superman 4 was the one that he... 87. That he, that, and that was when he destroyed the nuclear weapon. Yeah, yeah, right. So a really huge part of maybe 83... Even like from the time Reagan was elected, but the, the early 80s, a big part of it was the uh, no nukes. Yeah. And it was a really big movement. Oh, yeah, I remember the big concert and everything, Springsteen. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was it was a big movement. You know, the other thing that was going on then was, was the uh, South Africa stuff. Oh, Live Aid, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, and right, you had Live Aid, all this. There was a lot of stuff that was no, no, in no, there. No, no, it wasn't Live Aid, it was the feed, feed, what was that? Was that Live Aid? We Are the World. We Are the World, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. But I'm saying, like, there was a lot of stuff that actually would encapsulate that era that I felt like instead of using that, it, they went with, like, okay, this is 1984 because we want to do this or this, but they didn't really have any, anything. No, it that didn't seem like the, the world. Story. It didn't seem like a world of 1984. It's just like, no, we, we're telling you that's the year and the title, and we'll throw some aerobic jokes in there. And but some again, more. the music, yeah. putting music in there would have would have cemented that a little better, I oh, think. Oh, absolutely. You know? And the uh, other thing yeah, is, you were, I know you were going to say flock of seagulls earlier. I was going to say flock of seagulls. That's, <clears> I was know, totally like the, thinking that. And the guy walking through the mall, you With know, that's hair. where you would have seen. Yeah, you would have seen someone trying to be a wannabe. Yeah, and then when she's like, "Oh, they're breakdancing." Honestly, I remember breakdancing being the later. A 80s. little bit later, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the funny thing about the fanny pack, I remember fanny packs like 1989, 1992, because I had one when I was in Europe, yeah. and there's a picture of me. I don't remember them being in '84. I had one pretty early on. I remember I used to wear it at the conventions because right. you could put your Sharpie markers, you could put a camera in there, and you didn't have to have a camera on a loop around your neck or something. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I remember being that. But again, you know, they're always playing fast and loose with that stuff. I just think, you know, the certain songs would have just punched that, you know, that era a little bit better and maybe yeah. even given you a sense of, of uh, what was what it was about. I mean, a lot of the punk, you know, the punk stuff was a was a new wave. That was kind of a reaction. Yep. Kind of like halfway between punk and pop. Yeah, there was that glam rock. You, know? you could have got yeah. some of that in there, too. Yeah, and well, I mean, no, nobody was bigger than Bowie in that era. Oh, either, God, which, yeah. I mean, that's when he had his resurgence. And stuff, Dude, there so. were so many other bands, like Depeche Mode. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just I just think of all these, like, videos I would watch. And yeah. uh, Welcome to, what was it, Did, the, the Commissar, he did the Twilight Zone. Right, right, right. That well, was like in 84. That, that's what I told, I was telling Rachel, my daughter, I said, one of the, when um, Charlize Theron did the Atomic Blonde yeah. movie, I really loved that movie, but that movie had that soundtrack. Yeah. You know, what Wonder Woman could have had in it, and they used it to punctuate the action sequences and stuff. I really would like to find out why they didn't go that route, because there's yeah. got to be a conversation somewhere where somebody goes, hey, we don't have any... And the funny thing is, Hans Zimmer is the... Uh, he was Elton John's keyboard player. Yeah, and he's the one that did the soundtrack for this movie. Yeah. Plus, he's the guy from Miami Vice. But I'm saying he was Elton John's keyboard player. So he was in that era. 
I know, but I don't I, know why they wouldn't have grabbed stuff from that era. But I'm, all Again, I know maybe is, it was a rights issue. Maybe uh, it was like uh, okay, yeah, but still, so Warner has got to have music on their label. I can't imagine they don't. So. Maybe it's an AT and T thing. You know, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Wanna, there's there's definitely there's definitely a story behind why these people eliminated one of the key elements of this yeah. story. Anyway, so that's it in a nutshell. You said you liked it, even though it's got its things. Because I still did, yeah. I think because I think it still it still had the its heart in the right place. You know. But I'll tell you this: I, I have it free on my HBO Max for the next couple weeks. I tried to go back and watch it again because somebody was telling me I. A part that I missed, they said, oh, this, the preacher becomes the president or something. I didn't see that. I go, he did? I missed that. So I was going to go back and watch it. Huh. I, I fell asleep. I put yeah. it on. I watched her as the little girl. I watched the mall scene. And then I dozed out and woke up and it was the end of the movie. I was like, okay. Sorry for that. <laughs> and this was in the afternoon. <laughs> this was not at late night. So, so we watched, uh, um, I'm trying to think of, we watched the... Uh Soul. Uh, yeah, I saw movie. Soul, which is not a kid's movie. I'm sorry. That's more no, adult. It was good, though. It was good. It was good, but I, I, good. I couldn't imagine a kid going out and buying a Happy Meal toy for that thing. No, but I think that, you know, again, the fact that Pixar is willing to do some themes that are other than, you know. But here, here's, my, here's my, because I'm going to complain. I don't want to be the negative guy, but. Hey, I did it on uh, Wonder Woman, so you can do At different stuff. points while I was watching the Pixar thing, it brought me back to certain because Pixar seems to do this with regularity. You have a stylized version of a human. Yeah. It's clearly, you don't you don't go, oh, that's a, that's a realistic human, right? right? Right. They're beautifully designed, yeah. but yet every background is so super realistic that right. it looks like live action. Yes. And I said that kind of takes me out of it a little bit, like especially when they, there's a couple of down shots yeah. where it shows like a city street or yep, whatever. Yep, yep, and yep. I said, that looks like actual camera footage. It does. And you have cartoon characters on top of it. It doesn't mix. It doesn't mesh for me because I feel like you know when you do some cool design work and you break the laws of physics with these backgrounds, like in the old days when you had the Flintstones or you had the Jetsons or whatever, right. they would break the laws of perspective to do interesting designs that went with their stylized main figures. Yeah. So that was my critique. It just it felt like no, 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 if they're no, doing no. this, why don't they go full bore? And, and at the very least, why don't they light it yeah. more theatrically or, or something? No, no. It looks so... It's like It was like watching the... Like in Toy Story, the same thing. It's like, okay, the boys exist in a real world. Right. So I kind of understand that, but yet the humans in the Toy Story are all distorted. were designed. Yeah. yeah. No, we, we watched that one the next day after Wonder Woman, and Sharon said the same thing. She goes, wow. I said, well, isn't it amazing how far these they've come? since Toy Story yeah. with the animation because it's so lifelike because there are scenes where you can see the, the hair on the guy's arm sticking up and every pore yeah. in his face and she goes yeah it's almost too detailed in certain scenes and then you're right I thought the same thing when he was running down the streets in New York I'm like it's oh my so god that, that looks real I can tell you what yeah. part of uh, Lower Manhattan that is I think I know where that street's supposed to be and then you, you look at his face but it's shaped like a Right, like, like a, a squash or something. It's like right. the head's not shaped normally because right. it's a cartoon. Well, in the body. I mean, it's the a, body. It's a that's cartoon it. yeah. proportion. That's what yeah. I'm saying. It just seems weird that you would do that and then not just go off realism right. for the backgrounds. No. And still, you could still do them in a 3D vein, but you, you would just... A little bit, you know? No. And then I watched, of all things, The Fiend Without a Face. <laughs> which oh, was I remember a, that. Was a, it the one with the... The brain? That was the one with the trues? Or the, the, no, it was the spinal column 
like, yeah, they're like a brain with a spinal column, and they would go yeah, along yeah, the yeah. ground, and they make yeah, that. that was, like, I remember that being pretty scary when I was a kid. I was I scared that. as a when I saw that as a kid, and then I saw somebody talking about it, and I go, "Let me see if this is there." And I typed it into YouTube, and sure enough, the whole movie's on YouTube, uncut. And uh, <laughs> I watched it. I fast forwarded it because it was really boring. But the ending yeah. where they have that big all-out battle between mm-hmm. the brain suckers and the right, uh, right. Like the, oh, they're they're shooting those things and blood's coming out. I remember being grossed out by that as a kid, like, ew. But The Fiend Without a Face turned out to be one of the more crowd-pleasing uh, movies yeah. I watched over the holiday. Well, here's, here's, speaking of YouTube, yeah. my daughter found uh, the Star Wars Holiday Special on Oh, YouTube. God, I've watched that. So I said, yeah, I want to watch it, because I'd never watched it. I'd never seen it before. Oh, Jesus. And it's actually funny how much of what's in there is in Star Wars continuity now. So for them to dismiss it, it's like you had... You know, you have the Chewbacca and the wife. And, yeah. You have the right the planet stuff, and honestly, I was not offended by watching it. I thought, you know, I was expecting like, oh, B. Arthur is going to be totally out of place somehow. No, but no, she was she playing didn't. it. She was playing a character, and it was actually kind of a cute little sequence. And Art Carney was kind of kind of fun. Art Carney was the, playing it for real, man. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, like, I I just thought that was, you know, for all the, yeah, it was cheesy. Yeah, but. but it didn't feel like a, you know, something okay. like, it's not as bad as, what was that contest of superheroes or whatever? Oh, the, the, the world's greatest super <laughs> you know on I mean? NBC? Yeah. The people who did this clearly love Star Star Wars enough, right. they just weren't George Lucas. But they couldn't have done any okay. of that stuff. It just makes me, I, I don't believe for no, a no, second no, 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 that no, no, it didn't no. get vetted somehow by Lucas that if he didn't if you approve want, of. If you watch... My other show, Mitch and Ed's Excellent Adventure on YouTube, watch our Star Wars special where all we do is watch it and we do, we don't put the whole thing on in real time. But we say, okay, just cut this scene a little bit. That that Harvey Corman how to build a right, computer. Right. It doesn't need to be four minutes. It could be a minute, maybe thirty right, seconds. Right. It could be funny. There's there's I'm not saying there's gold in there those no, their hills, no. but it's definitely could have been tighter. It's two hours. Yeah. You could have brought yeah. that in. And it would have been much more enjoyable. And yeah. you're right. There's elements. Hell, you got the cast of the movie, the right. biggest movie of all time at, at, when it was on in 1970. A year later, right? A year later. And, and, and there they all are. It's like, look, there's Harrison Ford. There's Mark right. Hamill. That's like a whole new adventure. I remember being a kid racing home to watch that. We were counting down the days because we thought it was like basically the new Star Wars movie. Right. And then right. we all came in the next day like, did you see what happened? Yeah. <laughs> what was what was Chewbacca's grandfather watching? Was that porn? I don't know. <laughs> That there were some elements there. You're like, what the hell? And I found well, out the reason why Jefferson Airplane or Jefferson Starship is yeah, on yeah, that. It was Marty Ballin, right? Is uh, the only reason yeah. why they're on there is because the guy that was putting the show together saw the name was Starship, and they figured, well, it's got to be a space thing. The right. kids are going to love it because they right. asked Jefferson Starship. They said, "Why did you play that song?" And they go, "Dude, that was one of the deepest cuts off our album. We didn't know either. We got a call, and they said, "You want to be in the Star Wars thing?" Like, yeah, absolutely, and. Why do we have to play that song? We have other hits, and that's the only <laughs> yeah, reason. Yeah, they were we... they were actually they were big. They'd reinvented themselves yeah. a couple of years earlier. Yeah, um, I thought there was a connection also with the guy who one of the producers of it or something. Well, the other thing the is, I, I, I know there's a guy making a documentary. I think I told you this. He's making a documentary about the making of that movie for yeah. one of the cable shows and uh i'm i'm supposedly going to be on that when he comes out here to film and he was telling me a lot of the backstory about the there was an alice cooper special remember welcome to my nightmare mm-hmm. well the guy remember the little wookies watching this like uh carnival act with like like contortionists and they're doing all right, these little things right. 
the the ringmaster in that little segment is the guy who was in the Alice Cooper special years later, and he got the job because he likes Star Wars. It's just one of these things where Lucas had no involvement in this thing, okay? Right. He said, just make it on. George Lucas wanted to make two hours of just Wookiees talking with no subtitles, <laughs> and they're like, get this guy out of here. He's on drugs. Get him out of here. But uh, I thought that went on more than it should have. I mean, okay, yeah. we get it. They, they're, they're barking at each other. We but it wasn't, I didn't find it as offensive as a lot of people have have. I thought it fit. It fits in, especially it fits in more watching it now. Yeah, because, because yeah, but so now you have four, yeah, months, but you, know? you have forty years of backstory that yeah. you could go. Oh, they're trying to do this. They're trying to do that. Yeah. At the time, there was blazing new territory, and people yeah. were like, "This ain't Star and it Wars." Was a TV budget, and you know, oh I yeah, mean, I just think that the people who did it were clearly fans of Star Wars because yeah. they did try it. They tried. Well, the cartoon was great. We all yeah. agree that was always. Oh yeah, bad. yeah. Well, here's the other thing that made me wonder too: is that the was that would have been the first. The first appearance of, of Boba Fett, yeah, yeah, is. and they plugged him into the special edition first, right? Didn't they add him in the? No, in no, the, no, 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 no. The they, first movie. No, he was made. He was designed originally uh, for the Empire Strikes Back, and they wanted to sell some toys, so they said, "Let's yeah. introduce him into this cartoon uh, two years before the movie," because that's yeah, nineteen seventy-eight. But, but, but no, yeah. but what I was asking is, we because we we rewatched the the original Star Wars yeah. movie. Episode four. Oh no, you're right. Yeah, they inserted and he's in a scene in it. Job of the Hutt. Yeah, I bet yeah. he was plugged in in the special edition. Yes, right? he was. He was. Yeah. He was plugged in. Yeah. So this would have been the first appearance of him on that cartoon. Yeah, back in '78, that was the yeah. first Boba Fett, and then he comes out in yeah. 1980 with the Empire Strikes Back. But in the special editions in '97, they inserted that Job of the Hutt scene. Right. And they right. had him walk by at the very end, like, "Oh, look, there's right. Boba Fett. Now he's part of the right. movie." So yeah. Well, here's the other story. thing that's funny is we watched it with the, there was two ver, two versions on YouTube. One was yeah. without commercials, and one was with. And I said to Rachel, if we're going to watch this, we want to watch it with the commercials. Yeah, you do. That's the time frame. And and what was really fascinating, and actually kind of sad, is all the commercials for the garment workers of America, and they're and all the gone. United Auto yeah. Workers and stuff. And it's like, yeah, this is when they had good unions. Yeah, that's why those jobs paid better. Don't you remember that song? Look for the yeah, union yeah, no, label. But I'm just saying it was funny that that was, you know, there were, and that was a clearly would have been a big special, and probably the commercials cost more to be on it. Yeah, at the time. Yeah, and they had, you know, it was just fascinating to watch it as a little microcosm of here's what we've lost, and here's what we lost in the 20 years after that. You know, all the good paying jobs. Well, the funny thing is, if you watch the one I, I'm thinking of, uh, it was the, off the WCBS TV New York uh, version of it, and Rollin Smith, who was the local anchor man here yeah, on Channel yeah. Two News, he comes up and they used to have those little bumpers where they say right, "coming up film right. at 11, and he pops in there and goes, "How to fight the frizzies at eleven." Right. And frizzies were that term that you'd use when you'd have your hair and you'd perm yeah, it or yeah, something, it was, and it, was the, it burned it out. Right, it was meant to sell conditioners. Yeah, conditioners, exactly they right. Used shampoo, so, but yeah. they didn't use hair conditioners. Yeah, so but that little bit about how to fight the frizzies apparently has lived on for decades. It's like an in joke. They used it on um, uh, what's that show with Carmen uh, South Park? Oh yeah. There's an episode <laughs> called "Fight the Frizzies," and uh, they they mention it on uh, Family Guy too. It's become like a cult <laughs> joke. Like, what does that mean? And that's where it's from. It's Rollin Smith. Who's well, doing but it, it was also in this again. This is if you've lived through the era in the seventies. Yeah, 
when people started growing their hair longer in the 60s, but then also 70s, it wasn't layered or styled. It no. was just a big mass It was just hair. long, like a mop. They yeah. would, and you, when you'd cut it, you'd cut just the length. Nobody would thin anything no, or whatever. No. So it was just like a, a wedged kind of cut. Yes. So it was important, and that's when, when, when they started really hitting it hard as far as selling conditioner. Yeah. Because conditioner would kind of give Smooth your hair a little stuff more. stuff out, yeah. Flatten, uh, flatten it a little bit or whatever. Otherwise, it'd be like a big puffball. Yes, little Mi- <laughs> little Mitchie had the Dutch boy haircut, and you all look like well, Mason Reese. <laughs> I think everybody suffered through those because it was it was cheaper than going to a barber. And for some reason, red dungarees, and I say dungarees because we didn't call them jeans then; we just call yeah. them dungarees. And red, I don't know, they were like a reddish maroon color. I don't know why I had those, but I remember yeah. having red dungarees that. My mom got at Tough Skins. I think they were at Sears. Yeah, yeah. That was like, yo, were those your play pants? Put those on. That way you can, you know. Well, were, were you were, uh, was it the year? Yeah, I guess you were. It was this one year at uh, Heroes Con in the bar. You wore red pants? No, we were joking with a couple of uh, people that we'd met. And, and Mike Zek was there. And we were discussing, I guess, John Beatty, too. is like these guys that had this, they were, they were big kids, yeah. right? They had like a phrase for the pants they Huskies. wore. Huskies, huh? Huskies, Husky, right? Yeah, that was because, a, the fat they, kid they, pants. They were named after right, dogs, right? But yeah. they called them husky or whatever. So it was like, you know, they they, they were like a, a crew of <laughs> you know, similar memories of when they were kids and yeah. they had to shop in the husky department. <laughs> yeah, it was just Yay. You're too little for the big man, tall man, so there, chubby. So we've got a whole line of clothes over there. Don't go to the normal kids. Go to the freak section. We I named remember, him after an animal because. I remember, like, when I look back at pictures of myself from yeah. like the, the 1970s. Yeah. There was a lot of. I had a lot of gold or mustard-colored shirts and striped goldish. shirts. Yeah, with and the big collars. Pants were usually kind of like a brown or whatever, yeah, gray yeah, earth yeah. tones. Corduroys and. And all this stuff was like was very slim fit, and yeah. I was really skinny, so it was fine for me. But all the when you look at the shirts, you go, "Holy crap! That shirt is—it's the right length, <laughs> but it's so slim. There's no yeah. room. You—you you know, you couldn't probably have put a phone in your pocket. No, God, having no, it. no. <laughs> Everything was very slim. The the silhouettes were very slim, so it was probably a really hard era to be a. It was hard to be a person. thick a thick kid back then, Jerry. <laughs> And plus, we weren't wearing bras back then, Jerry. So that was <laughs> the man's ear wasn't around. <laughs> the bro, we like to call it the bro. And, uh, things got a little wild back then. Let's see Wonder but, Woman yeah, do a movie about that. Wonder Woman seventy six. I I said that because you that know? I thought that would have been a better deal, and she could have bumped into her. You know what? Now I'm thinking about you it. Had Nixon, you had Watergate. No, had... maybe they didn't do that because of the Wonder Woman TV show that was set in the seventies. Yeah. Maybe they didn't want yeah. to. Do it. Oh, we're doing a remake. That's yeah. maybe why they didn't set it then. Because I was like, why did they pick 84? I know the Russians and the U.S. thing, but hey, man. There was I, think it was a, I think they were going for an aesthetic, and I don't think they quite hit it. That, no. That's the thing. No, so, no. And again, I'd love to, like, maybe, you know, I don't know. Would yeah, they, they could have done to Steve. see what the script looked like before. Yeah. You know. And then I told the whole thing. I'll touch on it briefly because Patty Jenkins talked about it today, saying we didn't. We don't know why people are so upset about the whole body swap thing. And I just said, look, if you're going to make a whole movie based on magic, you yeah. could have just made her wish that the guy came back, and there he yeah. was. You didn't have to make him take over some dude's body, and yeah. that was kind no, of I mean, creepy. That's, and that's 
that's the problem with trying to define your magic. Yeah. You know, like at what point is a invisible plane not fantastical that you couldn't, like you say, just have the guy show up. Yeah. And not be another guy, you know. Yeah. The yeah. Same, and it, it, the same, it's like got the same. It would have been the same the story. Same ending. Yeah. Right. It's still got the same kind of. But uh, I have a good, uh, I don't know, I still, my, when we were talking about story stuff, I still think that there are ways to have done that that felt out of order. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and again, whatever, but. Anyway, so. well, that's that's our Wonder Woman. We've been talking for an hour now, because I've got a whole other thing for you about U.S. Agent, but maybe I should hold off for another show, because I don't want to shoot all that on one show. What were you going to say? No, oh, I did read. You read the, did you read the, the trade? I read not? the trade. Okay, then fine. We'll start this up then. Um, all right, I'll make it look like a new show. Hey, we're talking to Jerry here. Hey, Jerry, I just happened to get this Marvel trade uh, called the U.S. Agent, and it's a collection yep. of the character created by Mark Grunewald. I'm going to say, yeah, which was the was, replacement. Was Karen? Was was it Karen Dwyer? Karen, Karen Dwyer was in on that. I yeah, think it was and, during his run. I, I yeah, think, I... and Tom Morgan. Oh, okay. Tom yeah. Morgan's on the book as well. But what happened is, yeah, yeah, Karen's one of the first co-creators, if you want to use that. Yeah, term. no, I thought he came up in that one of those storylines when Karen was drawing it. Yeah. So what happens is Captain America gives up, or no, they take his outfit away from him. He doesn't give it up. Right, it was a government thing. A government thing. They recall right. his Captain America stuff. They go give it back, and they have to find a new replacement for Captain America. And they get this character called John Walker. Or Johnny Walker, if you're a drinker. Right, right. And it's going to be funny later on because he turns into Jack Daniels. I wonder if Grunewald was hitting the sauce then. But uh, Bill Schwitz? Yeah. Here's my buddy Bud Weiser and uh, you know, Harvey right, Wallbanger. Right, now you got the, uh, what was it, the guy's song? Oh, uh, I drink alone. Uh, George Thorogood. Yeah. I drink alone. One dime, one beer. Well, like think of this too, though. John wasn't John Walker. Isn't yeah, Johnny Walker's. Who, a that's the guy who, yeah. who 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 didn't he get captured by the Taliban? And uh, that's the soldier that was uh, captured by the Taliban, and they, they they felt like he had actually given himself up to him or defected or something. The the a guy that walked ago. off the base a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was, was John his name Wal John Walker? Walker. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't remember that part. I just remember anyway, Johnny Walker, so the little guy with the red jacket and with the top hat as he's walking across the label of the booze. Not that I, you know, drink a lot. I just remember the label. Uh, so anyway, so he he's he's kind of like a wacko. He's not like, yeah. well, he's not a wacko. He's Guy Gardner. He's Guy Gardner. He's, yeah, he's a smart aleck. Guy Gardner is the Green Lantern. Right. Oh, yeah. He, he gets too. the cap outfit. He's kind of a jerk, really. Yeah. And then, so the story's fine, and eventually Captain America becomes Cap again. But the thing of it is, I don't know what they did to this poor character, because they put him in the West Coast Avengers. He's yeah. now called U.S. Agent. He's got a blackish right. uh, Captain America suit with a red and white chest right. plate. And then he's got the shield, which is black and red right. and white, as opposed to blue and red, white, and blue. Right. And he, but he looks like a knockoff Captain America. Okay. Then you find out there's some, and this is going to come into your story, there's some weird subplot where they wiped out his memory that they killed his mother and father, and he gets a new name of Jack Daniels, and they're using him again, the government. It's it's this... Uh, I keep thinking she was a member of S.H.I.E.L.D. This, oh, I know. Yeah, she was right. Pat Cooper? Yeah, something Val like Cooper. Val Cooper. Val, Val Cooper. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. 
So it's just a weird story. So anyway, they collected all these Marvel books, and I'm reading them one after another. The Grunewald stuff, no offense to Mark, God rest his soul, but eh, some of the writing's a little, it's a little, it's hard. It's it's, it's tough to read. It's like, this is goofy. And then you come on board with a three-issue series, which I got to say was the best of the lot in this collection. But here's the deal. You totally revamp the character. You give him a new outfit. Now he's working for... Uh, was it called Star? He was working for, yeah, it was like a different, an it, offshoot It wasn't agency. S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah, it was like a, a yeah. government agency. Yeah. And you give him this, like, cool, he used to have that flying cycle, like Hawkeye would ride. Right, But you right. give him this, this little rocket ship type of yeah. thing. And uh, you team him up with, I was, uh, is it like a Russian? I can't picture what this woman's supposed to be. She's like a, a fellow agent that knows him. Yeah. Yeah, well, see, here's the thing with the tra- I, I, with the trade is that my U.S. agent, you know, three-issue series spins out of Maximum Security. And in Maximum Security, Kurt Busiek wrote that, and we he re- basically revamped the the character, gave him a new costume, gave him kind of a new a new. Oh, that's where it is, because I'm like, why yeah. does Jerry have him in a new costume? That's the yeah, first no, thing I thought. Yeah, that all happened, and then at, at the end of, of Maximum Security, we kind of redeemed him. You know, so he he winds up, uh, you know, going off in this new direction. Oh, so if I read that before this, it would have made more sense. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, that yeah. There, there was no backstory. I just picked it up. I go, what the hell did Jerry change his outfit yeah. for? What's going on? No, it's, in a way, it's a shame. But I guess they, you know, the maximum security was like a longer storyline. Right. So they probably are not going to reprint. You know, like whatever it was. Those were like thirty-two or forty. I forget. They're forty-eight. Oh, was it that big a story? Yeah, it was a big crossover. Oh, was that was the, the whole thing with the vault and the, the, the prison and all that stuff? Am I well, that was the one. No, this was the one with the aliens basically kind of quarantining Earth and, and ego taking over the Midwest and growing. You know, like oh, that's referenced in your story because they mentioned yeah. something about Ronan the Accuser, and I'm yeah, like, yeah, what? Ronan was the, right. It was the so it was the Cree that in Maximum Security, the Cree basically also we kind of morphed them into kind of like they did with the, with the uh, Klingons in Star Trek that we, we had them like the, I guess it was the Supreme intelligence yeah. kind of um, evolved them to this different visual look, you know, but uh, yeah, that was all in maximum security. Oh, all right. The thing, that... with, the thing with the U S agent was fun though, was that if you took away the really super skeevy stuff, yeah. <laughs> he's kind of like a guy Gardner. He's kind of like, He's he's still a good guy. He's just not the guy who got the top, the brass ring, you know. Right. He's the guy who who got the wrong end of the stick. No, of, he's the second he's place got, guy. He's got a chip yeah. on his shoulder, and he's trying to prove himself. So. Well, see, that's a but, good character then. What you just said yeah. it makes sense. I'm like, well, yeah, he's not Captain America. He's like second rate, but. Yeah, but see, that's what, I don't know if you've read the new one, um, and I thought they. Oh done no, a really I did. I started job. picking that up. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, one by the, Chris so Priest. So far, the couple issues of the new one I think have been really interesting, and they kind of play on that same. I mean, it's a little more coarse, but yeah. it's it's it plays off that same kind of vibe, though. That he's uh, he's the guy who kind of got the short end of it. Well, but I mentioned this terrible. because come March, when they have the Winter Soldier and Falcon TV show, speaking of yeah. more stuff on Netflix, that's a character that's played by uh, Kurt Russell's son. Right. Um, can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he's the U.S. agent. They're, yeah. So that's going to be interesting because I'm wondering if that's the whole story, like you know. Captain America gives Falcon his shield, and he has it, but they want it back because they want their own version of Captain America, and that's where they yeah. come up with U.S. Agent. 
So well, isn't that one? That one's also filming like in Budapest or something like that. So yeah, it, it was. Wonder what the the actual setting of it is. You know, yeah, is it, it going to involve Shield? Is it going to involve? someone new or some agency or new agency or well something. we'll have to wait because i think they're going to drop it week by week like they did mandalorian i don't think they're going to yeah. throw it all out at one time so and wandavision starts next week oh is it next week yeah After already. all that long wait yeah january I mean, I, 15th I, I told you i felt like when i when i subscribed to disney plus back in a year ago yeah. i was thinking like oh cool the marvel stuff's gonna come on and then they they had nothing yeah no somebody said that too they go before COVID. obviously no one saw this coming but they go you would have thought they had more in development because suddenly this year yeah they've got like four shows coming on they've got uh wandavision they've got falcon and snow uh winter soldier then the loki show comes on in may oh is it may yeah already so they're gonna hit you january march may and then they've got another one coming on at the end of the year. I'm trying to think. When does the what if thing happen? That's what it is. Yeah, what if starts around November. But that's animated. That's animated. But all the actors' voices, and you even got Chadwick right, Boseman right. as the Black Panther on a couple. Of. Yeah. So yeah. that'll be fun. And then they go into a whole new slow. I saw uh, Jeremy Renner in New York like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, filming Hawkeye in the, oh, right, the streets right. of New York. So that's going to be cool. Yeah, that is kind of neat. So I, I think they, they probably realized also when they put the Mandalorian on that that was enough of a driver of subscriptions. Yeah. It became such a huge thing. I was surprised though with, uh, we were, we were, again, we were watching this, this holiday special and we are like, wow, it's like Oprah Winfrey, you know, you get a car and you oh, get a car. Oh, God, it's crazy. It was like every character in the, in the Star Wars universe seems to be getting a show. Yep. And, uh, you know, it was like, wow. And then, you know, all the Marvel show announcements, it's like, wow, they really, really do cutthroat go out, go after HBO Max. Because oh, yeah. it was right after HBO Max announced that they were putting, you know, $200 million movies on their service for free yeah. or for subscription, which is in itself a pretty big deal. And they basically came in and just like, you know, yeah, here we got better. Well, <laughs> Disney ain't playing uh, second fiddle to nobody. They're like, no, 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 no. We're going to take Well, they your... own the world. I mean, yeah. they own every movie studio except for Paramount, Universal, and, you know, Warner Brothers. Well, give them time. They'll own that. Yeah. I saw the uh, the folks that own James Bond were up for sale. Yeah, they've been they've been discussing that because they, that, that one, I don't know if you heard this too, but they said that the debt on them, on the budget Oh, is that a control? Movie, yeah. But, I mean, the debt on... Basically, they have to pay a million bucks a month. Basically, that's the amount of, of whatever interest or whatever they owe mm. for financing the film. It costs them a million bucks for every month that that movie doesn't come out. So now we're already at, you know... I imagine the actors got some type half, of deal. Or it'll be a year. When, when was it originally supposed to come it was out? come out last, out last year, May. And they bumped it to April or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, that's at a certain point, you're talking about adding, you know... $12 million a year or whatever. Well, I'm sure the actors got a deal because, you know, they get a percentage of the, the yeah. points on the movie when it's released. But if it's not released, they don't get anything. So they well, probably say, here's a check. You know? MGM basically survives on the Bond movies. They really, they've released other movies, but they don't have Bond as the big box office. Yeah. You know, it's like all your eggs in one cart. Pretty much, yeah. So, I mean, I think it would be a shame if someone, if Disney bought them. I would really feel bad. Well, because it, it's a it's a, a embarrassment of riches, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, it would be nice if they could remain 
Yeah, but at the end of the day, it comes down to money, and they'll say, hey, somebody's got money, and we don't. I'll take it. So we'll see. But anyway, well, back to you. saw that Wonder Woman made $5 million in I the saw that, $5.5 5 And the other thing is, uh, did you see DC or Warner's announced that they're going to do two HBO Max DC properties a year? Yeah. They don't have to tell you who it is. I'm like, did you guys really have this thought out? <laughs> do you have a script ready to go, or you just kind of threw that out there? Because well, they have announced, they'd announced the, the Green Lantern series a, a while, while ago. ago. Yeah. And that was, I think, through Craig Berlanti. Yeah, but I don't see when that's coming on. Yeah, I don't even well, know if they everything, start I think a lot of, sh- I think just look at like the at the CW or whatever the, a lot of those shows aren't coming on. They were supposed to start coming on in January and February, yeah. what I read. Yeah, but I mean, I would think since at certain point Canada closed their borders to you yep. to the U.S. Yep, and those shows are all produced in Canada. So yeah, and I saw Los I Angeles the t- actors. Today on the news, they said they're shutting down more productions in L.A. Yeah. County because the COVID's so bad. You wonder why they're not all packing their bags and begging to go to Australia or New Zealand to film there because they're COVID-free, so you wouldn't have to yeah. worry so much about it. There. It's probably a logistics thing. I would think that they probably, you know, the they probably just picked the wrong time to try to bring production home. Yeah. You know, I'm well, glad I, that they're shooting stuff in Los Angeles. I'm glad that they're shooting stuff in, in New York. I'm glad that they're doing that because... That's keeping you know, people just, it, get, employed. Yeah, it keeps uh, people employed, but it's like, hey, this is, you know, was up to me, it was a point of pride that the U.S. was a big, you know, with Hollywood, was a big producer yeah. of entertainment that was exported to other places. And, and that's kind of, unfortunately, you know, yet another thing that's kind of gotten... <laughs> Well, you heard Tom. You heard about Tom Cruise's outbreak a week or so ago when he was going on about you know the set. Yeah. And I go. No, I kind of feel for. Him. I do I too because that's his money. I mean, I, granted, he's got lots of money, but still, it's his money. It's his business, and if there's something that's going to jeopardize it, and they might shut it down, you'd be pretty pissed off too. You'd be like, yeah. "Hey, come on, man, follow." The well, protocol. there's a lot of jobs riding on that, yeah, and a lot of people working, and even with the protocols, I'm sure that again, like showing what happened in Los Angeles, you can follow all the protocols but if everybody around you the the numbers are rising it doesn't matter if you're going to still follow protocols on the set it's still going to be dangerous because people have to go home right every day you know right so you can't put them in like a in the middle of a field somewhere and make them live in tents for the three months but that's almost the way it has to work no that's what i heard he was doing he's using an old army base and they were kind of kept everyone there that's what they were doing also Cruz is also at an age where for box office and for his longevity, I mean, the clock is ticking. He's yeah. already pushing it as far as being an action star. Yep. So, I mean, if you're delaying this stuff past the point where, you know, he's going to collect Social Security. All I know is <laughs> Haley Atwell's in it, so I, yeah. I just want to go see that. And plus, Palm Clementif is in it, too. She was. Well, they're uh, doing them, aren't they? They were doing them back to back. Back to back, I yeah. Thought. Yeah. I think so. Well, it makes yeah. sense. I mean, you know, you might as well get them all done. Right, it's a big road show. So once you got that team together, you might as well try to because they always tried it. I think that that's always the good idea, and in right. pra- practice, it would be interesting because they they did that with Lord of the Rings. But then ultimately, it's like okay, well, we're going to go back and let you film some more or whatever. Well, Endgame, they did the two of them the same time as well. Well, Justice League, League. Justice was League be done back to back. When they originally, when I, I remember having that conversation with Jeff Johns, it was right. <clears throat> I think it was when. I talked to him around Batman and Superman when that had come out. And he had 
he had said that they were going to be filming Justice League in Detroit. And, you know, it was like a big deal. And then, of course, that seemed to go by the wayside as well. But yeah. they were going to film them back to back. You know? Yeah. I don't remember and I mean, that, that would I think it would have been cool. I think a lot of this stuff is it's a shame because it's all about whoever's going to offer the best incentives, I guess, for filming. And you know what's funny? I, I really wonder what was going on with that George Miller's Justice League movie that was going to be filmed. Speaking of filming in Australia... The guy yeah. that made the Mad Max yeah, yeah. movies, he was going to yeah, do Justice Yeah, that one came really League. close. That was like 2008. They had people cast yeah. for that, because we were talking no, about Wonder Woman, and my friend goes, oh, do you know who Megan somebody? I go, who's that? He goes, that was the woman that was cast to be Wonder Woman back yeah. in the uh, the Miller film. Yeah, yeah. And well, I don't I know what happened, Army... scri- what happened to the script to that. I don't know. Oh. Army Hammer was supposed to be Superman. Army Hammer was supposed to be, uh, no, I thought it was supposed to be Batman. No, I thought he was supposed to be Superman. Was he? he? I just remember it was close to happening, and uh... yeah. Well, that but that's happened in the past too. There was a point where a bat, uh, world's finest thing was going to happen at one point, and that never never came about. You know, I think you like a lot of the early two thousands. Yeah. Warner Brothers budget for big budget movies was sucked up by Harry Potter and yep. Lord of the Rings. Yep. And and you know when you're financing a two hundred million dollar production, you can't do five of those. Now, Disney can do that, but Disney's also, you know, I'm yeah. sure now they're in a, in a tighter position. Oh, but speaking of that, been, speaking of Disney... No money coming from their theme parks. I was going to say, speaking of how they make movies, you watch that documentary, The Making of the Mandalorian? Yeah. And then they're yeah. showing you they already did some for season two. Yeah. That That warehouse thing where they have the massive screen that goes yeah. around, like it's a curved thing, and they have the actors there... That's just amazing to me how they film that. So they actually yeah. look like they're on a planet or wherever they have to be. I mean, you, I I didn't realize they weren't outdoors. You know what I mean? I was well, watching I think that they show. Feel, you know what? I do think that that gives you a... I mean, even though it's really an amazing technology, it yeah. does... They still do build sets. And, and, oh, yeah. You know, they were... Like if they're shooting in the desert. They were shooting that in California, so they can actually still make a trip to the desert. Right. And get the right light you know, off reflecting. That's the most, to me, the, the, the biggest advantage of that is that it's not back projected. But the LED lights are so strong that they actually light the environment, which yeah. is kind of crazy. So yeah. that's the big thing, is that it, why it doesn't look fake, is that if there's a sky in there, right. the sky, the, the amount of light that's coming off of that screen is enough to almost simulate daylight no you no know? That, that's why i thought it was outdoors until i saw it i go oh wow yeah. i never would have got i did they film the, that remember that um ridley scott raised by wolves i wonder if that was filmed like that as well because that I think that's very... filmed in that's filmed in like scandinavia or iceland or yeah something. the sets on that were crazy it did look yeah. like another planet i was like where are they yeah. on this thing so. but he likes he filmed i think he filmed some of that prometheus and uh other ones oh there, like that that, that makes area. sense, because you're right, it did look similar to that now that yeah. you say that. Yeah, maybe they are on the same... Well, area. I watched the extras on Tenet. Yeah. And I was surprised. I thought there would be more since it's stone disc, but it was like 90 minutes worth. But one of the things that was really kind of fascinating was it was a shot talking about having the LED screen as a back a back projection or whatever. Yeah. It was a shot of, of them in the car. Yeah. And it was a side view. And what was funny was I remember the scene really vividly because the car is go- seemingly going really fast as they're struggling in the car or whatever. Right. And they they showed that scene being shot and the, the LED screen was maybe 10 by 15 feet. 
so it was like the camera angle of them shooting, you know, whoever was shooting for the documentary showed where the screen ends, and there was just a car <laughs> sitting in front of the screen, and the the background was moving back really fast. So it wasn't even there was no movement in the car. It was oh just wow! The sensation yeah. of the background moving, but uh, yeah. the, the the other extras on that are really fascinating because they actually did. He did an interesting thing because we were watching it. There's backwards and forwards going at the same right, time. Right. And what he did, according to the documentary, was they basically brought in like a dance, a dancer to, uh -huh. to, to teach the, the stunt people how to move so they could move backwards. And when they reversed it, it looked like they were moving forward. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so, but what he did was in that one big sequence at the end where there's stuff going on yeah, backwards yeah, yeah, yeah. and forth. Yeah is that he didn't he didn't do it consistently. So in other words, one team wasn't always walking backwards. He would cut in where the other team had to do the walk backwards. So it gave it a, a sense of, uh, I guess it kind of tricks your eye that you're not really seeing what you're seeing. Yeah. But it was all done practical, which is crazy. So when they're running across the field and the bombs are coming and yeah. imploding and, and disappearing was all stuff that was filmed backwards. Oh, well, really? So it's were, all in camera at the same time? So he had, yeah. So he had some people running forwards uh -huh. who were going to be looking like they were going backwards, and then the people who were running past the bombs were actually running backwards. Mm. Did they show how they did the, the big jet sequence? That was They actually got a jet. And crashed into a building? I swear that. Yeah. I was watching that with you on IMAX. I was like, holy crap. I think this is real. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was it was interesting because they were saying like, oh, one of the sequence involves crashing it, and can we get a seven forty seven or whatever? And they went to some place in the desert that they have old to, jets. Yeah. Where the yeah, there's decommissioned planes that don't fly, and uh, he said they were looking in them. He goes, oh, we got this one, and then they, someone else goes, wait, there's a seven forty seven back here, so they just repainted it, and uh, it didn't need to fly. Obviously, no, it, it just, just rolled on the yeah. yeah. But, but that was uh, all that, real. They built yeah. a building and they crashed. Oh, That's wow. actually really interesting to watch again. On on even though you still can't understand people's what people are saying, right? It's knowing how whatever the reveal in it when you watch it from the beginning again, you go, "Wow, this thing is really tight." Oh, because you, you know, know it's going to happen. Yeah. But I'm saying that they they filmed it in according to what they were saying is that the first day on set, the one guy, the production manager, whatever says. Right. It's the first time in history when you had the best people in all these fields show up on set and everybody was an idiot because they didn't know what was how to do it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so they actually filmed in sequence so that they could, by the time they got to that big battle at the end, everybody knew all the what they needed to do. Mm -hmm. So they built towards that and they learned how what they were doing, how they had to do it because everything had to be storyboarded and yeah. animatics. And he said they had notes on things. So that you knew where this guy had to go this way, and that it was just—it's it, very tight. No, like I said, how many times have it you seen that? Twice. Now. Twice. Okay. I still want to watch it with the closed captioning, so I can. Oh, so get it? Yeah, here's some of the dialogue. Hey, I, I was watching some the other day, and I was like, "What did that person just say? Could I? <laughs> could I put on uh, the captions? Because I can't you understand." Can. <laughs> no, I, I was watching Star Trek Discovery, and I, sometimes yeah. I just can't. I, Michelle Yeoh, speak, she was in a Mission Impossible. Her, yeah, yeah. her dialect or whatever yeah. sometimes on the show, I just don't know what she said. I'm like, what What yeah. happened? You know? So I have or, to rewind it. Or are you watching it on 
on the show or on the DVD? Or no, I'm watching it on um, on the network CBS or Plus or whatever it is. Yeah. CBS. How are you getting around that? Did you say you just subscribe? I just subscribe. Watch? It's like five dollars a month, and once Trek's over, which yeah. I think is uh, this week, I think it wraps up. I might just can it until I get something new. There's really Have you nothing. The Shining? Uh, huh? I mean, not the Shining. Oh, uh, the Stand. No, I have. I was going to wait. It's not all on yet. Yeah. It's like week to week, so I'd rather watch it all at once. Yeah, we had been watching like Star Trek Discovery on Blu-ray. Yeah. But then, um, with the COVID and the delay of the other season, I uh-huh. said the, I was I was telling Rachel that I thought it might need to do the Mitch Halleck routine where you just subscribe after the show has almost run the season, and then you watch it in a marathon and then cancel. <laughs> oh yeah, well. <clears throat> it's it just is. another expense. I mean, everything you know, it, it, all this stuff you add it up. It's like I'm I'm still paying for cable, so. Yeah. It gets expensive. Oh, I know. All these little things I thought about the other day between the Hulu and the HBO Max and all the rest. I go, I don't need all these shows. Because I only watch them for like one or two shows, you know. But you're the king of the nerds. I'm the king of the nerds. Yeah, I get to. But for me, it's like I'm just a TV whore. No, because I I, (laughs) I just sit there and go, oh, what's. And then I end up watching YouTube videos, which I'm like, I could do this without paying for anything, you know. You know a movie I watched? What's that? Just on. I guess Saturday night. I had a DVD of The Fisher King. Oh, I remember that. I like that Robin movie. Williams. Oh, yeah, and, Jeff, Bridges. Uh, Jeff Bridges. Yeah. It was, uh, I hadn't seen it since it came out. I think it came out in like early 90s. It did. I was living in Brantford when it came out. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was actually really good. Oh, it's and, a good um, movie. Again, yeah. it's like, it's funny how stuff can be like of its time. Yeah. I mean, every era, when you, if you've experienced the era and you go back and watch it, you go, wow, there's so many things that are very specific to, mm-hmm. you know, like camera moves even and lighting and stuff that give it a, a specific look yeah. that almost tags it, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, like watching X-Files on the DVD. Oh, yeah, yeah. X-Files looks so damn cheap. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah, it's <laughs> very dated, But because too. it exists, and people forget that. I mean, it existed before digital editing. And, and the ability to add backgrounds very seamlessly and stuff. And then when and they were filming really in Vancouver, people. yeah, they filmed that in Canada for a long time yeah. before it became popular, and it was real cheap. Looking. But I mean, it, it, it spoils it spoils you nowadays. Oh, now, now yeah. you have all this really tremendous looking production. Oh yeah, you've got the drone. Yeah, the drone <laughs> shots and all that nowadays, and you could right, go back. Right, stuff and, can yeah. still be terrible because it's not well written. No, but it like, looks good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Just like back us. then, though, a, a low-budget TV production looked low-budget. You could watch those Superboys from the oh, yeah. Thalkines, and you go, ooh. You, yeah, it looks, you know? it's like Land of the Lost <laughs> green screen. I think I could do more with my green screen from Amazon for 12 bucks. Yeah. But I, I probably mean, that's, could. That's, yeah. It's easy to forget that, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, we're not at the pizza restaurant. Unfortunately, I'm in my basement recording this, and... I have to share it with my wife, and who wants to go on her Peloton bike, so she doesn't want to hear about you and I review movies. <laughs> so, that's right, dear listeners, your list, your listening pleasure is about to end for my wife's physical fitness. Well, this is like the bonus. This is the uh, this is the, a bonus the track. Year in ra- the the year end wrap up that we didn't get to do. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. This is the year end wrap up. Yeah. So this is an extended version, and then and no sharing- beer was. No beer was consumed no, no, by me. Yeah, no this. beer was hurt during the filming of this uh, show. And no pizza was consumed by Mitch. See, it's the new leaf. Sharon's coming down here to uh, exercise. I haven't eaten pizza. You haven't drank a beer. So what have we learned from today, kids? Exercise, save your liver, and, low, and reduce some carbs, and you'll be fine. 
But go. isn't the podcast better for beer and pizza? It is actually, but it's kind of sad when you're at the other end. I'm over here. It's like, well, you'd just be a loser drinking alone. But you know, there's somebody on the other line. His name is Harvey. He's a puka. What? Harvey. Harvey. And I haven't even gone on about The Simpsons, but that's another what's another podcast. I've, I've what season are you on now? You've been watching all of them from first season. We were I think we're up to like season fourteen on the DVD. Oh, you still got another sixteen to go. Yeah. Something. But we've been watching the new ones and stuff too, so Yeah, but you know it's still, I mean, when it it was on last night as well, like an hour later. Which I know, I didn't get it because I was watching the football game and I don't think it taped it because it doesn't know that the game yeah. has moved on. So it was on I'll, watch the, I'll watch the on-demand version. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, the big clock on the wall is saying time to go. So that's it, Jerry. Until we can get together again and have pizza at the Colony Grill in Fairfield, Connecticut on the Post yeah. Road. Available for takeout orders. That's a small yeah, plug. It's a great place. It really is. It is. And they I, I, they I, should give us free pizza, but they don't. They should give us free pizza. <laughs> and our, I just want a, a special shout out to our friend out in Port Chester, uh, Colony Grill, who's listening to us right now, who's a fan of the show and a fan of Jerry Ordway's. He met him at Cave Comics and you signed a bunch of his books. Oh, cool. So I said, if Jerry draws you Superman eating pizza, can we get free food? Please. We have to go to Portchester, though. Oh, yeah, that's okay. Can't you call the Fairfield guys and hook us up? Get Sarah over here. I miss Sarah. i got to get her down here. She's gonna, she can come into my basement and bring me a beer from the refrigerator. That might be a little unseemly. Oh, I don't think Sharon would. Who's this? Oh, she's been on the show. I swear to God. will run you over on her peloton. <laughs> Those things aren't supposed to move. Man dies. Man run over on peloton. We still don't know how that happened. But we'll figure it out. If you can believe in an invisible plane, you, you can, can believe, believe a, a man was run over by a peloton. <laughs> All right, Joe, you're getting goofy. It's okay. the marker fumes. All right, I'm going to shut this off. That's that, folks. This has been a production of Big Fedora Marketing, LLC. The folks that bring you the terrific Comic-Con, GamerCon, and so much more. Thanks for listening.